And hello, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Q&A. And it's me this week, Tony Defio, and I'm alongside Kyle Christ. Is that how you say your name, Kyle? That's exactly right. You are oh, 100%. Nice. You're batting a 1,000. This is going to be a perfect show. Oh, man. Well, then let's just cut it off right here. Because <laughs> I don't, I can't top 1,000%. Anyway, uh, so you're, you're in what? You're over out in the West Coast? That's right. It's uh, it's Los Angeles where the rookie uh, synopsis, I don't know what's going on there. The rookie meetings are going down. I've been trying to stalk uh, Kenny and George but and Calvin, but they've been pretty quiet on uh, on socials out here on the West Coast. I thought maybe I might you know try to track them down somewhere, but all quiet on the Western Front, as, uh, as, uh, as someone once said. Well, give it time. Give it time, because two of those guys are receivers, so... There's just a good chance that one of them is going to say something on social media. It's going to make the news. So I, I can't wait. I'm here for it. But uh, so you're uh, before we get started, I was, I'm always curious about this kind of thing. How do you how do you become a Steeler fan originally? I mean, born and raised in Fayette County, Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I so it was in my blood. You know, it's um, uh, it's like saying like, how did you uh, get into oxygen? Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's. I've I've had that I've been breathing out oxygen since uh, 1980 when I was seven. So uh, what, what's your like? What's the earliest game you remember? I mean, I definitely remember the end of the Knoll era. I can remember the '89 playoff game against Houston. Uh, maybe that's I guess maybe that's a good starting point. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, well, the first uh, game I remember watching uh, was Super Bowl 14 against the Rams, but. My first moment that I remember being really excited about them is watching them celebrate in the locker room after they beat the Oilers in the AFC Championship game in uh, 1980, January of 80, that led to that Super Bowl. So uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, um, I I can't believe it's been 42 years since I've been watching them. It's 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 amazing. And 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 uh, when you watch a game, do you do you these are all cliched questions, but I don't know. I, it, it's it's cool, right? Uh, Give me the cliche. It's Q and A. You've got Q. Yeah. I've got a, I've got A's. Okay, yeah. uh, do, you, do you when you watch the game? Do you have like your own setup at home, like with a TV package, or do you go to a Steeler bar? I yeah. I mean, you know, when I first moved out here, it was Direct TV, but I was just I just thought that was a rip, you know. So I go to a bar. And 10 a.m. kickoff out here on the West Coast. So usually it's me and Greg, uh, my podcast partner. And on, from what Ian's talking about, we're usually the only ones in the whole bar at 10 a.m. Uh, it's technically a it's technically a Bears bar, but luckily the Bears haven't had any reason to set an alarm right. for out here. You know, right. yeah. I was, somebody posted a, a graphic yesterday, uh, uh, tearing all the teams, and in, in the, in the Bears are right down there in the bottom of the uh, ranking. So I guess. It's gonna be a while before that bar is filled up. At least that's right. Anyway, yeah. Ireland's is a Steeler pub for another season. Thank you. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Rams will start getting some fans interested after they after they won that big game last year. You never know. Don't jinx it. <laughs> so you're you're a stand-up comedian, right? Allegedly, allegedly. I don't know if you'll have anyone. I don't think anyone in the chat can confirm it. Well, I mean, what's the biggest crowd you've ever played to? Because this stuff fascinates me. Because I've always wanted to do that, even though I had no talent. So, uh, I, I mean, hundreds, I guess, you know, yeah. nothing, you know, nothing's big, um, bigger than that, at least. You ever open up for anybody famous? 
that we would know? Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I I haven't opened for per se for anyone like, but out here in LA, it's kind of like they call, it's like a showcase town. So I've been on lineups with like Jeff Garland or Whitney Cummings or oh, okay. uh, you know a bunch. Of, you know, you can you can you can find yourself on a show with anyone from yeah Craig Robinson to any you know anyone in this town. It's a it's Lipstick City, baby. That's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted to try that. So maybe one of these days, I, well, I'm 50 now, so I have to have a midlife crisis. So maybe that'll be one of my uh, things that, that's on my bucket list, which I'm legally required to have now as a bucket list. So maybe I'll there's, try that. But. There's a couple spots in uh, in Pittsburgh there. Um, I know there's an improv at least. Yeah, there's a couple places. Yeah, the 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 uh, the yearnings there. I just have to. I have to. Of course, two years ago, I didn't think I'd be doing this. So you never know. You never know. But maybe we'll open together, and I can open for you, and. I'll bomb so bad that it'll make you look really great. Just write, uh, you know, all you got to do is write five Baker Mayfield jokes, and I'm sure you'll be a king at the end. That's true, yeah. It doesn't really take much in Pittsburgh for uh, to get a laugh, or at least to get a cheer anyway. But uh, as the title suggests, it's the Q&A, and uh, it's your show. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I heard, uh, I heard uh, Matty Peverell say that on the other show, so I know that's what you're supposed to say. It's your show, people out there in the live chat. So you have the questions, we're going to have the answers, right? But, uh, but uh, so what are your thoughts? Uh, we haven't really talked. Uh, I think we talked once ever. So uh, we haven't talked at all since the draft. So do you have any uh, any thoughts on the draft? Any, anybody you're, you're like, are you, what about like the thought of them drafting a quarterback? Were you on board with that? Or were you uh, lukewarm? Were you a total anti-quarterback? Well, you know, I, de- I definitely think that we knew quarterback was going to be on the radar. Uh, but I was kind of surprised. I, I, you know, I was along with everyone else. I thought it was going to be Malik Willis. So that mm-hmm. initial shock that it was Kenny Pickett was, you know, what? But since then, yeah. and you've had time to digest it, uh, you know, of course, I'm so excited about the class. But, you know, some of my favorites are the lesser known guy, you know, like like the linebacker, uh, you know, from the seventh round or in the, the, uh, the, Tyler Sneed, you know, the rookie tryout yeah. wideout, you know, some of these guys right. that may not even, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, they'll stick around. We'll see. I'm, those are the kind of guys I'm rooting for. The Isaac Redman Award candidates, those guys. Yeah, those. This this is a great time of year, I think. As far as as far as being just you know you you you, you watch the draft, your, your free agency is pretty much over. You, you you digest the draft, as you said, and now you know whatever your reaction was at the time. Slowly over time, you start to get get excited about it, optimistic, and that's I'm all like I'm I'm pretty easy easy uh, to please when it comes to the draft. As long as they as long as they address uh, needs and don't reach, I'm usually uh, pretty pretty happy so i'm i'm but this year is different because see them draft a quarterback i mean it's that's news and that's something you know there's a lot of meat on that bone as mike tomlin would say so uh you're heading into well they just had had their first rookie camp and heading into the rest of the otas and the mini camp and training camp there's gonna be so much to talk about and when i say so much i mean the quarterback it's just gonna be quarterback 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 until they until they find their guy but but um before we get to the live chat, I have one more question because, because uh, for you, Kyle, because as as, I, as the title of the show says, you know, we just had rookie camp, we just had a month long uh, celebration of the draft, and before that, it was free agency, and then the season, and, and then we have OTAs. Is, is there ever? Uh, do you ever have a time where you're like, I just want 
to have a week or two and not have to really even think about the Steelers, like maybe watch some cat videos and immerse yourself in that something or any other kind of hobby where you can just get away from the Steelers. I, I sound, it sounds like Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire rewrites that memo. I'm probably gonna get fired, but you know, like where, where you're just like, I just want to get away and no social media, nothing about the Steelers for a few, for at least, at least a week. Well, you know, Steelers social media is, uh, is often a place that, few uh enjoy you know but right. uh i've actually been this off season has been the most exciting in you know a long time and you know part of it is because of the qb question but i don't right. think i've ever been this invested in free agency we've never been, had been this active in free agency right. i don't think i've been this invested in uh you know the, the the draft process i usually make fun of mock drafts you know but i think i probably read uh 200 of them this year yeah. so yeah. You know, there's something about this season that's different. And I think that that energy is going to carry through to, uh, you know, camp, of course, too. Yeah, well, I mean, it's such an unusual offseason for them because you know, they don't have Big Ben, of course. And and they had so much cap space, which is it's, I don't think it's ever happened ever. I can't think of any time that they've had as much cap space as they did heading into free agency, other than when they had to manufacture it by by uh, restructures or something like that. And of course. It's the first time so far that they that they were in serious search of a quarterback. So, you know, it's really a, an exciting offseason in that regard. But, but you know, uh, it would I guess it would be nice every now and then to 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 get away from it all. And but that'll come in in early July, I think. You know, after after all the OTAs and minicamp, then we'll have a week or so to to get away uh, from it for a bit, which we won't because not us anyway, the fans. But us, we have to keep working hard. But the fans can get away from it for a bit. But as of right now, the fans in the live chat, they have some questions. I see a question. Let's see. Where, where is it? Who, who has it? Who, I, I'm looking at Dietrich. Let me hear. I'll bring it up. Are right, you bring it up? Then. How soon do you think the Roonies will be asking about a new stadium? Um, I, I mean, I don't know. You know, what, what year is it? 2022? How old is the stadium? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe... 2122. I'll give it a hundred years. They're, they're not asking about a new stadium anytime soon, are they? I don't know. I, I didn't. It kind of sneaks up on you because uh, well, Three Rivers was built in 1970. It opened in 1970, and by 1990-91, the mayor at the time kind of proposed a a new stadium uh, for baseball and one for football, and everybody laughed at her. <laughs> but every but by the mid 90s, it was like the Rooneys. I don't think people were realize this but they kind of almost moved to washington county because they couldn't get a they couldn't get the funding in pittsburgh to build uh you know what became heinz field so they almost moved to washington county so by 95 they were already clamoring for a new uh, place because you know all these other stadiums were popping up you know in atlanta and uh, other other places so i mean earlier in this offseason i heard some radio people talking about uh, Heinz Field, and they, they called it a dump. I'm like, really? They're already calling Heinz Field a dump after 21 years? So uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I hope not, although I really, I mean, this difference doesn't make to me other than taxes, but I wouldn't be surprised if in five or 10 years they're, they're talking about building a new uh, st- stadium for football. I think PNC Park is uh, will, will be here for 100 years, mainly because nobody's going to be in it to, to, to ruin it. You know, the, the, the seats are going to be empty, so the, the wear and tear will be less on, on PNC Park than it will Heinz Field. But I think it, w- it wouldn't shock me with maybe five, ten years. 
oh, maybe, I guess, you know, certainly technology, I guess, kind of drives that. Because you're right, you know, in the 70s, it was Riverfront, it was Three Rivers, it was Veterans. And then the technology uh, changed and it was a much personal experience. You're, maybe you're right. Maybe the technology will change and, you know, every seat will have, uh, you know, its own broadcast abilities or something, you know. So maybe, hey, maybe you're right. I don't know. Well, it's like every, every, time, they, every time they build a new stadium, you know, it's better luxury suites and, 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 and better sight lines and, and uh, better uh, revenue streams, all the, all the things that are near and dear to these owners. So it wouldn't shock me, but, but uh, I think I personally think Heinz Field is just fine, but. Then again, I'm not a billionaire owner, so uh, <laughs> I guess uh, we'll see. This one comes from William Conrad, and he says, Chase Claypool must get tougher or he's going to be out of Pittsburgh. Thoughts? What do you think about that, Kyle? Uh no, I don't. I, he's got to get tougher. I mean, the dude's, you know, sure he hasn't put up. He didn't put up the numbers of his of his rookie year this past year. But I don't. I don't think it was a lack of toughness. Um, you know, maybe a lack of effort at times. Um, you know, maybe a maybe some above the neck things at times. Right, right. But I, you know, I'm not counting. I'm not counting this guy out by any stretch. He's going to be out of Pittsburgh, maybe just because wide receivers don't get second contracts. So maybe he, maybe right. he will be out right. just because of history. I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, I don't think toughness is, is a problem for him at all. I mean, I think he's a physical specimen. I think he, 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 he loves to, uh, you know, have confrontations with defensive backs. We saw that last year. He, <laughs> even in that forty-one to ten loss to the Bengals, he was in the. He was in the, the head of the defensive back that was covering him and uh, forced him to make a couple mistakes at the end. Uh, I think the, the one thing that's curious about him, and this really, uh, I think it, it, it was uh, last year was a great example of that, is he had trouble with the uh, 50-50 catches, which was supposed to be one of his strengths coming into the league. So uh, I think that's something he has to get uh, better at. Um, I don't know if that's a toughness issue or maybe a, a, a more of a technique issue. And it, it's so hard to... And no offense to Big Ben, obviously one of my all-time favorites, but it's so hard to get a, a sense for any of these receivers from the last couple of years because of, of the quarterback play and the offensive line play. And uh, so to evaluate these guys, I mean, I, I think Chase Claypool is a, is, has the potential to be one of the top receivers in the NFL. And I already think Deontay Johnson is one of the top 20 or so receivers in the NFL. But, you know, it's not – neither one of them are A.B. And, you know, for as much of a problem as A.B. was – off the field in the locker room on the field. He was, he was, in my opinion, a perfect football player or at least close to it. So um, I think uh, he, he kind of spoiled fans on the field because he was an all time great. So I think you think, you know, yeah, you think of Claypool with the 50, 50 balls, but let's be frank. Those aren't 50, 50 catches. You, they've got to be placed in the right you know, right. point top of, uh, you know, top of the field, you know, like so some of those throws weren't 50, 50, you know, balls. It was uh, they, the placement wasn't there. I, I think, you know, right. you got to give him another chance this season. We'll see. Yeah. I mean uh, the first half or so of the 2020 season, when before the other, before opposing defenses figured out what the Steelers were doing on offense, he was a beast with that one game. He had four touchdowns. So uh, I think he, I mean, the, 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 the potentials there, the abilities there, I just think, uh, you know, once once they figure things out with the quarterback, with the line, with with the with the offensive philosophy, uh, you know they're they're going to be able to utilize him and, and hopefully turn him into a weapon. So I, I'm not really that worried about Chase Claypool. Not at all. 
Here's one from... Oh, these Mason haters. I see them in here. Shrek Johnny's friend. Do you feel bad for Mason, not Rudolph, uh, Kyle? I mean, you know, I, I, he, he's certainly on a on a downward trajectory. I, f- I do feel some sympathy because, you know, just a couple weeks ago, he was doing the West Coast media tour where mm-hmm. it was looking like it was, you know, him and Mitch was the battle for QB1. Right. But, you know, some of these people, I, like I see Reginald w- Rivers in the chat saying, is he even going to make the roster? I think so. I think that, uh, he, he, you know, he, there's so much value in that QB3 that I don't want to... I'm not trading him for a seventh round pick or just cutting him because, you know, we've got four QBs on the roster now. Uh, I mean, there's, we've got so little salary tied up in the QB room that I'm not worried about, you know, oh, is Mason going to earn 3 million on the bench or something? You know, I hope he sticks around all season because we're going to need the helmet. Lord knows we use all 52 helmets every season. So who would have thought in 2019 that, that, we'd all be cheering for a, a guy named Duck Hodges, right? By December. So, you know, he, he's, he's going to make it $3 million, but none of it's guaranteed. So, you know, even if you do trade him, what, what, what would you rather have a, a quarterback, a third string quarterback or a backup quarterback with, with starting experience uh, or a seventh round pick, you know, uh, g- give me the, give me the guy with the starting experience. He might not be great, but that's another thing. That's one thing I do feel bad about when it's Rudolph and a lot of uh, quarterbacks like him, young quarterbacks, is they don't seem to people want to give up on them so soon and maybe rightfully so in a lot of cases, but you just don't know. Cause it's, it's, it's a funny position because everybody else, they, they get to, they get to, uh, they gain experience through repetition through being on the field. Even if it's just on special teams, they, 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 they're out there. They're learning what it's like to, to, to play in an NFL game. Whereas a, a backup quarterback, especially a young one with, with uh, limited experience, the only way to get that experience is, is to be on the field uh, but you know, if they don't show, if they don't go from zero to pro bowl caliber within 15 or 20 starts, well, then there's nothing left. There's no more meat on the bone for those guys. And I, I think it's, it's a weird uh, thing because, uh, so many of these quarterbacks, you know, they get flushed through their, the, 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 the league and four or five years are out of the league. And you always wonder, well, if, if this guy was given maybe a, a much longer look, in the league, if, if, he, if he was given more chances to start, if he had more experience over two or three years, uh, would he have been able to develop his skills? You just never know. So in that regard, I do feel bad for Mason Rudolph. <laughs> if, uh, you know, if someone gets hurt, say they cut Mason and Kenny or Mitch gets hurt, they're not elevating Chris Oladokun. They're going to bring no. Mace back, you know, or they're right. going to sign a vet, right. you know? so Right. And some somebody like him and, and, and you know it probably won't be anybody that's much better than Mason Rudolph, which is which is uh, <laughs> how it usually goes in these situations. And here's one from Johnny Bravo, which is quite a oh, name. Johnny Bravo. Did you guys like Duck Hodges? How could you not? I mean, right. he was giving me uh, Bobby Brister vibes at, at, at a certain point. Maybe it was because of number six, but. Uh, what about you, Kyle? You, you couldn't help but root for him. He was kind of fearless. You know, he had no right. reason to be on the field, so he didn't care about throwing it over the middle or so. You know, right. Um, right. D- does he? You know, speaking of, we were you know earlier the week, it was like, does AB retire a Steeler? Does Duck Do- Hodges retire a Steeler? Why not? <laughs> Nobody's gonna be mad at that. They'll probably throw him a parade because he's he's he's. <laughs> He was in the greatest position ever for a guy who didn't make it. He was a backup quarterback who wasn't around long enough to really be exposed other than by Trey White in that game against the Bills on Sunday Night Football. And that's when I met uh, Brian uh, 
Anthony Davis and, and Dave Schofield that night. And, and Rich, I met Rich. And we were all so excited. One of them had a, a duck hat on. I think it was Brian. I can't remember. But there were a lot, a lot of duck hats in the crowd. I just met them to tailgate and to do some podcasts. But they went to the game. Um, uh, but that was kind of like, the, that was like the night that everything kind of fell apart for him. And Trey White exposed him with multiple interceptions. And it was never <laughs> after that but but for a time there he was a phenomenon and that's really what's what's a, a part of being a sports fan that's what what makes it so great is you never know when these kind of stories are going to pop up oftentimes we try to manufacture them like in the off season oh can this guy be the steal of the draft but then here's a guy who came out of nowhere uh what was it division two whatever they call the school <laughs> the level of college football he played and you know i'm sure the nickname helped but still he made plays for a while there and and, and kept him in the playoffs uh, and for at one point they were eight and five and they had the inside track uh, in the, for the what the last seed in the playoffs. So it was a, a, a nice little run considering uh, what happened at the beginning of the year with with uh, Ben's injury. I love you know I had more fun watching the Duck and May season than the thirteen and O start season or whatever you know two oh, years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, after a certain point, it, it, well, first of all, nobody in the stands that that just was surreal. That, that yeah. took a while to get used to. But but after like Halloween, uh, even though they kept winning, it was pretty obvious that the offense just didn't. Well, it wasn't adjusting, and, and, and they didn't have the ability to adjust. So yeah, I I agree with you. That twenty nineteen season was far more magical than twenty twenty, which. Sounds so weird because at one point we were talking about them possibly going undefeated. So it was a, yeah, it was it was a weird time. All right, here's one from here's another from Dietrich, from saying Dietrich Delaney. Hey guys, I looked at the rule book and didn't see a rule on asking follow up questions. You're right. Good, good I, point. I didn't. Did, 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 did you read the rule book? I, I didn't see it. We'll I'm, got to take that to the rules committee next season. Right. We'll see, what, we'll see what they say. You know how they, they, they convene in the offseason. So my question, did Joe Hayden do so bad that no NFL team wants him? What, what do you think, Kyle? Well, my guess is he he's probably looking for – I mean, you know, he what, was he making 8 to 10 a season with, with the Steelers? Mm-hmm. So uh, he's probably, you know, looking for something like that. Uh, and I'm imagining if, you know, if the Steelers are giving him an offer, it's probably along the lines of a vetman right. or, you know, one of these two, two, two and two and eight, you know, it seems to be what they've been doing this off season. So he's probably not interested in that. If he, if he really wants to play come August, see how, whether, whether the rosters are, who needs someone maybe, you know, he's, I'm guessing he's probably just asking for a little bit too much right now. Yeah, like like the uh, like the, probably the honey badger was for a while. What did he wind up signing for? <laughs> I didn't see that. He players. almost got ten, I think, ten a year or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, so that tells me he was probably looking for about fifteen a year, and <laughs> nobody was willing to, to give him that. And and you're right, Joe Hayden's probably looking for eight to ten, and he's probably getting maybe half of that as far as offers. And it's probably going to take him a while. It's probably gonna be like like a Melvin Ingram kind of thing. Maybe he'll sign with somebody uh, right before training camp, but he's probably not going to be the problem child that. <laughs> Melvin Ingram was so. Um, do you I think that there's? Do you think that there's room in the cornerbacks room for Joe Hayden currently? I sure do. I love Joe Hayden. I I, I think he's a he's a, a a he'd make a great mentor, provided he's willing to to accept a a backup. You know that kind of like a Deshae Townsend kind of thing. Uh, you know, at the end of his career, I you know I think he he would be a great addition to that room, and and that's that's um. What I was going to ask you next is, do you think there are, speaking of Ingram or, or the, a lot of these veterans that are still out there, do you think 
they're going to go out and, and address any other potential needs with a, with a veteran free agent. You, the, I guess the position, I mean, the, you, you say that there could be the most need for upgrade is, you know, outside linebacker, edge rusher. Um, but, you know, I, you know, it's hard to, hard to say. It seems like it seems like there's more than enough people. I look at some positions like inside linebacker and it's like, or even D line. And it's like, there's way too many people for roster spots right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I think they're going to be leery of that this year, to be, to be honest with you, um, because of Melvin Ingram. And then you go back to like Eric Blunt and, and, uh, and even James Harrison, I think they're, they're kind of leery of, of those uh, vets with the, with the resumes because of, you know, like Joe Hayden might be a, not that he has that kind of a, not that he's a problem child, but, I think a lot of these guys they they um, they they realize they're done after everybody else has already moved on. It takes them a while. Like you look at a lot of these free agents, these veteran guys, and their, their Wikipedia pages. They'll say uh, he's a currently a free agent, and they haven't he hasn't played since like 2018. They're they're not ready to give up on it, and they're not ready to move on and accept the fact that maybe uh, they're not capable of starting anymore in the NFL, and and their role is to be a backup. So I think. Um, I'd be a little leery. Um, they would have, it would have to be somebody like a D'Angelo Williams. And you know, you never know if you're going to have a D'Angelo Williams until, until he comes in here and plays a, a year and, and, and doesn't cause any, it isn't disgruntled because of his lack of playing time. So I, I don't know. I, I think things have changed so much over the years because of social media and, and, and all, you know, the fans are constantly and the media is constantly on social media clamoring for teams to improve to get better why why look at this list of free agents why isn't any why aren't you trying to sign one of these guys because i mean years ago it used to be like you you would accept the fact that that your backups are, are young recent draft picks uh undrafted free agents or or journeymen like like arthur Motes. that 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 used to be that's that's your standard backup player at every position but i think now people want that ironclad guaranteed insurance policy that if so-and-so goes down then you know they, they don't have to be concerned with with the depth well you should be concerned because they, they they're backups for a reason so i mean i i if it's a calculated signing i then then i'm fine with it but if it's like a big name like a melvin ingram i'd be a little leery but here's one i wanted to get to because this this one uh i actually wanted to write about this but somebody i don't know if you know, knew about this call but somebody uh said that Jack Ham, I forget who the reporter was, but if if he was playing today, he'd be a special teamer. And wasn't, I don't know. wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it one of the GM candidates? Wasn't it uh, one of the guys who didn't uh, get a second interview? Lewis Riddick? No, I think I, it was. I'll, I'll I'll find it. But I mean, come on, let's be serious. Come on, you know, like. Uh, this guy is, you know, it's we're not saying like, oh, could a, you know, could a backup linebacker uh, play today? This guy was a Hall of Famer, right, you know. Right. Vince Williams, I think Vince Williams says uh, this week that Jack Ham is uh, a better linebacker than Jack Lambert. So right, right. take that take to the bank, you know. When when he retired before before LT came along, Lawrence Taylor came along and changed the outside linebacker position. Jack Ham was considered by many to be the greatest outside linebacker in the history of the NFL. Um, I don't know if he, if he was like just taking Jack Ham, the athlete from, and he was a great athlete in the 1970s. When he, I mean, he was fantastic in pass coverage. I think when he retired, he was one of the all-time leaders in interceptions. 
But I don't know if he was t- taking that guy from the 70s and putting him into 2022. Maybe he has a point there, but the, the athletes of today are so much better and, and faster and their training regimens are so much different. You think Jack Ham would, would have the same um, physical attributes in 2022 as he had in 1970? No, he'd, he'd be uh, the, the Jack Ham uh, of today and he'd probably be a much better athlete than, than even he was back then. So I think, you know, I, 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 most great players are going to be great in any era because it's all relative to, you know, everybody's going to be starting from the same point when you're talking about what, what, what decade they came up in. So, um, you know, if, if you took, if you took uh, James Harrison and you put him in the 1970s, he wouldn't be 278 pounds or whatever and lifting uh, trucks for a living. Uh, he'd, he'd be, you know, around the same size as the other outside linebackers in the 1970s. So, you know, it's, I, I, I think that was silly. And I think it was just another one of those deals. Yeah. It was know. Doug, it was Doug Whaley, you know, Doug Whaley. Okay. Um, you know, and Jack Ham in the off season was working in, in a coal mine. Okay. You right. know, like, right. yeah, give me a break. They'd, they'd be doing, he'd be working. You're right. He'd be working, working out, you know, 365 days a year or 12 months out of the year anyway. So yeah, it's, 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 it's apples to oranges when you're trying to compare uh, players from 50 years ago to today and say they couldn't play today because, because obviously they'd be exposed to the same elements that, that, the current players are exposed to. I think if anything, a, a similar question that might have, you know, might have some merit is, you know, could a B play in the physicality of the seventies era, right. you know, like right. there's a conversation maybe, but Jack ham, yeah. come on. Give me right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, who was a similar size receiver, right? Uh, Lynn Swan, right. I mean, he was tough as nails. He, he liked to go over the middle. He obviously had to deal with those crazy Raiders and, Always trying to give him concussions, and they did give him concussions. Yep. So much, so much so that he had to retire early. Uh, and there's a guy who, who, you put him in today's NFL with that athleticism, the the, the leaping ability, and uh, the big play ability, the big game ability. I mean, he would he would be a, a top receiver. Now, could Antonio Brown go back and, and deal with that kind of stuff? You know, where where, the, where there were no rules essentially, and. and you know, uh, Ham, I'm sorry, uh, Swan played his first few seasons were before the Mel Blunt rule. So it was yeah. even tougher for him in the first few years. So yeah, that's a great, that's a great point, Kyle. All right. Let's see what else we have here as far as questions. You see any questions on your end, Kyle? Um, I thought, where, let's see, where are those good questions? <laughs> um, I thought I, oh, wait, here, here's one. Steeler Nation four one two love that uh, love that uh, avatar there. Who has a better season, Claypool or Johnson? Mm. I mean, I would think you know. Just I mean, we're we're seeing the 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 volume uh, in production from Johnson. You know, we might see ten touchdowns from Claypool. You know, it's, that's right. hard. To, I don't know. Maybe right. Claypool might have more touchdowns. Who knows? I don't know. Right. I I think uh, Johnson. To your point, I think he's he's more suited to that. A B kind of role where where he where the the passing game flows through him, you know, and he's you know he's he's more capable of catching ninety to one hundred passes, uh, whereas Claypool is definitely the the big play receiver, the guy you go to, you know, for, you know the, the the deep pass and and uh, like the the what's it called the the jet sweep those kind of plays. So I think that's that's uh, Claypool's role. Speaking of Mitch Trubisky, didn't you tell me before the show that you had like an inside scoop? Well, you know, 
I yeah, I got I got a tip off from the caddy that Mitch and Josh Allen were golfing together over at uh, Mystic Rock up at uh, Nemical and Woodlands. So wow. I was trying to find out who had the longer drive. Apparently, Josh Allen is looking like a monster, but uh, Mitch is coming in pretty mean and lean himself. So oh wow, oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, on one hand, it's nice to see them them uh, golfing and 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 having a you know. A relaxing Sunday, but on the other hand, they're not focused on football twenty four seven. That's all right. But uh, speaking of Josh Allen, um, people talk about Lamar Lamar Jackson and, and him possibly wearing down from from the physicality and always you know trying to run. But Josh Allen, I mean, he's in a lot of ways he's putting himself in more danger than Lamar because he, I mean, he he's like a fullback out there. He's he's taking on um, uh, tack, tacklers just about every game. Do you think his his uh, with his, he's a big guy. He, he, his, he can last like an entire career without um, wearing down. They're gonna. I mean, some of those are scripted runs. They're gonna have to cut back on those um, uh, right. at some point, right? But yeah, uh, you know, he loves to. He loves to, to to get out of the pocket and running. You know, he's right. not like he's not a run first guy, but mm-hmm. he, you know, he doesn't shrink from that at all. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, he's. I mean, he's definitely capable. I, I just, if I'm the Bills, I'm like, all right, you're an MVP candidate. We're a Super Bowl. Uh, candidate, I think it's time to do some more uh, some more slides, or at least go out of bounds. <laughs> I mean, you can run, Josh. You can run, but when the guy gets near you, just uh, just uh, you know, go down. There's no shame in that. There's guys that get paid to run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and George Tesson uh, brings up a great point. Of course, we you know as we were saying earlier that there's different conditioning back then for players like Jack Ham. So here we go from Sherry Richards. I haven't seen, I have not seen Sherry Richard in a long time. Maybe she hates me now, but not if she's on, <laughs> she's on this show. Maybe not. And she asked, if you had to guess right now, who starts at center week one? All right. I won't, I won't make a prediction about week one, but I will say, I will predict that the starting center at camp will still be uh, Kendrick Green. I think he will still get the first as the, you know, he's, he's kind of the, he, not that he's a veteran, but he is kind of the veteran, uh, right. at least on the team now in that room. I think that he gets the first shot at center. There's so many people that can play center on the roster. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, and guard. So I think that, right. I think Green gets first shot at camp. Who knows what happens week one? Yeah, it's a very fascinating, it's one of the more fascinating um, battles because, you know, Green was a, was. You know, he didn't finish out the year as a starter, but according if to believe Kevin Colbert, it was because of an injury. So that mean that would t- that tells me that he's the incumbent starter, even though he he's coming into his second year. So that's gonna be interesting. But obviously, you have Mason Cole, who who is a, a promising young guy, a free agent they brought in. But J.C. Hassenauer, if I'm unless I'm crazy, and I might be, uh, he, he showed uh, a lot of improvement last year from his first year. Would you, would you not agree? Or, you know, he seemed like he, he was a pretty steady starter at the end of the year last year. So there's a dark horse who, you know, we're talking about Mason Cole and Kendrick Green, J.C. Hassenauer, undrafted free agent. He might be somebody who, who sneaks in there and, 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 you know, you do have to address these positions with, with first, second, third round picks, but you also have to get lucky with uh, Ramon Foster, an undrafted free agent, one of those kind of players. So that, that would be an interesting development too. There's, yeah, someone's, 
someone's going to get kicked to the practice squad. Someone might not make the team. You know, there's people like John McGlue who put quality starts, who, yeah. you know, shoot, might be end up on the practice squad. It's uh, that's going to be interesting uh, how many people they keep on that line and who and who plays where. Yeah, I, I definitely think they're, they're much better off as a as a whole, the, the entire offensive line than they were even a year ago. I mean, it, it wasn't going to happen overnight. I mean, they weren't going to they had to tear the whole thing down and and start from scratch. And, and to think that they were going to find all the right pieces last year, it was probably, you know, a little naive of us to, it, it was, you know, it would have been great if it happened, but it wasn't going to happen in one season realistically. But now, you know, you look at the moves that they made last year, that, you know, finding a guy like Dan Moore in the draft and you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Kevin Dotson, and then, you know, they, they go out and, and, and they bring in James Daniels this year. So, uh, and then they have obviously a lot of, a lot of, young guys with, with potential who can, who are versatile, you know, like, like, uh, like Lou and, and, and Cole and, 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 um, and, and, you know, so, you know, there, there's potential there to find uh, a good starting five, hopefully, hopefully. And, 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 you know, and maybe a, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of short leashes either. So, you know, not, right. you know, uh, you don't do well, we got someone else who can do it too. So, right. um, a lot of, a lot of fluidity, fluidity, yeah. fluidity, <laughs> Oh, there it is. There it is. I'm glad you found it. Got it. Cause I wouldn't have been able to figure it out either. So, but uh, yeah, Mike Tomlin loves position flexibility. And that's certainly, uh, is the case with a lot of these linemen. So it's, it's an exciting thing. I, I, uh, I, uh, I can't wait to see, see how much the line has improved from uh, certainly from 2020, but even from la- last year, you could see, you might even say it was even worse than it was in 2020, but last year there was more hope because there were younger guys. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately it's hard to kind of gauge uh, camp battles along the offensive line. You know, like right, you right. know, like who's doing well? I don't know. Just be, besides who's getting the snaps? Right. Yeah, because it, it's such a it's it's one of those units where everybody depends on one another. I mean, it's it's such a it's the one really the one unit in, in football where you know, all five guys have to kind of be in, on the same page in order for it to work. So if you have a if you have a, a weak link, then it could it could throw the whole thing out of whack. At least on one side of the line, anyway. Let's see what we have here with from uh, Allie Howard. <laughs> Will Pickens teach Claypool to catch without falling down? I don't know. I don't know. Was it, did you see that in his draft profile, Kyle? About is he is he a good mentor type uh, player? Uh, George Pickens? Can he can he teach? <laughs> you know, I don't. He seems to be a character. Um, yeah. I think that Claypool will actually be the mentor in that room. Uh, you know, at least maybe the heart of the room. At least you know. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that Pickens can only bring out good things for Claypool. You know, we joke, oh yeah, you, you know, he's going to fall down all over the place. But the, you, you know, the attention that you're going to have to give Pickens on the outside, I don't know what, I guess, I, I don't know what, what do you think they're going to do? Does that mean they're moving DJ uh, into the slot and then it's Claypool and Pickens on the outside there? Um, I don't know. I, I, from what I understand, Claypool... Is has is the best fit for for a slot? So I, I don't know. I, I that's one thing that I'm not that well versed in. I, I know what X Y Z and R are, but as far, who's 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 best at that? I thought I thought James Washington was a uh, had the potential to be a, a slot, but they said he was more an outside. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, but but I think there's there's um they they definitely upgraded at least on paper anyway the receiver room. Um, from last year to this year, if you, if you, just on potential anyway. I mean, obviously, uh, what Juju gave the Steelers uh, his first couple of years was great, but I think he was dealing with injuries 
uh, more than we realized down the stretch. And with the, again, with the quarterback play, we don't know. And James Washington, James Washington, you know, he had, he showed so much potential, um, but he, he could he, he could never break through. And sooner or later, even even with the, the talent at the position, you would figure the cream was going to rise to the top, and it really never did with him. So uh, I think I think there's there's the potential overall, no matter how where they fit. Uh, th- th- there's the potential there for to have a much better unit than than, than they've had the last couple of years. And tamper your expectations on Pickens too. You know, like we've been blessed with Claypool and Juju's rookie seasons, but outside of those two, you know, rookie wide receivers aren't traditionally big contributors with the Steelers' right. offense, at yeah. least. You know, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's so much for them to learn. Uh, and, and, you know, plus they have to develop chemistry with the quarterback and, you know, a lot of them, they probably have to get used to the idea of blocking, maybe something they didn't have to do a whole lot in college. So there's a lot that goes into being a, a, a young wideout than we realize. It's not just all about going out and, 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 and trying to get open. You have to, you know, learn how to be a professional, all, all around football player. All right. Anything else you want to add before we call it a, a night there, uh, Kyle? Um, you know, here, I'll, I'll just give uh, I'll give a final word here maybe to Steelers okay. Freak. Okay. Who says that uh, Austin could send my could, – I could send Austin my 13-year-old son's last year's school clothes and they would fit. He better be fast. We got two, wow. small, two small receivers. I don't think – you know, do you think that – because Ben loved the big receivers. Do you think yeah. that now that Ben is gone, they were like, all right, now we can get those – Five nine and below wideouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 never quite gave him the as many tall receivers as he wanted, but they they were always at least five eleven six foot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Calvin Austin, he is small, but he, he's not going to get big. You know, like I talked about on Friday, he's not going to get big this season. There's just too much for these guys to learn. Like you said, that these young receivers they struggle often in their their rookie years. So. He's probably going to be lighter by the end of the year than than uh, than, than at the beginning. But <laughs> next offseason, that's when he's probably going to have to get with a trainer, find the the kind of the right program that works for him, and put on five ten pounds of muscle and do so without losing that speed, which is his, his uh, top asset. But yeah, he's a small guy. I, I can't believe how like five. I, I thought he was like five nine, but he's five eight one seventy. <laughs> and you know how how it is with this stuff. He might be. That might mean he's five seven one sixty. Who knows? But. But, uh, yeah, he's a small guy. But like uh, uh, Steelers Freak says, you better be fast. And he better, yeah. <laughs> you better catch the ball in space a lot. So, But uh, in the interview I saw with him last week uh, at the uh, rookie camp, I, I like the uh, the tenacity he showed when, when discussing uh, what he does with, with defenders who, who are bigger than him and who try to intimidate him and how he gets right back up and you know how they can't believe it when, when you when you jump right back up after after they give you a big hit. So he definitely has a lot of character. So hopefully it'll it'll translate and and he can eventually be a a, a valuable weapon for them. So I think it was a good show. What do you think, Kyle? I think we did it. You know, we like they came with the cues and we gave them lots of A's. You know, we did. We did. Hopefully they like the answers. But if not, we'll find out in the YouTube uh, comment section. That's usually where I see the. Uh, the mean, the mean answers, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see. But you know, yeah, th- we gave him the whole A this time. Usually, I'm called an A hole. So uh, right, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've been called that too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and they don't they don't leave out the two S's either. So, but that's all right. You know, it's I bring it on myself. You know, and you as a comedian, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, you have your your sure you know how to handle hecklers, right? 
you know, I, I, I need I need an audience to have hecklers. I think. Oh wow! Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good that's a good comedian joke. I like that. I like oh well. That. Last night I was uh, not to go off on a rant, but Dennis Miller. But um, I was I, I couldn't sleep last night. I fell asleep and then I woke up in the middle of the night. And I put on Netflix and I found this uh, this uh, special. You know, four living comedians uh, inducted for. Um, legendary uh, deceased comedians into a, into a hall of fame. So that might be you someday, Kyle. You never know. My I'm legacy will, yeah, I will definitely not see my greatest legacy. So, Well, maybe, maybe, uh, well, that's right. That, yeah, it's kind of morbid. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be the person who, who has, who, who's so, your career is so hot that you'll be inducting one of these guys or, or women. You never know. Yeah, um, hope. Uh, from your lips to the chat's ears. There you go. <laughs> Well, on that note, I think we're going to call it a night. It was it was definitely great uh, interacting with everybody in the live chat and and with you, Kyle. It was a fun show, and and um, hopefully we can do it again. I look forward to it. All righty, you guys take care, and you take care, Kyle, and 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 as I always say, go Steelers. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.